Welcome back to Talk of the Town on 99.7 and 1450 WHTC on WHTC.com and on the WHTC app for your smartphone. Once again, here's your host, Gary Stevens. Welcome back to Talk of the Town for this Tuesday, February 13th. Second Tuesday of the month, we devote at this time a look at what's going on at the Holland Museum. And to join us today to discuss that via the Zoom connection, it is the Executive Director of the Museum, Ricky Levine, and the Development and Communications Associate Director, Joseph McCluskey. To both of you, good morning and welcome back. Good morning, Gary. Thank good you. Good morning, Gary. Good to be here. Glad you are with us. If you have a question about what's going on at the museum, Ricky and Joseph will be happy to answer it at 616-395-1450, 616-395-1450. In about 20 minutes from now, we're going to ask for you to put your thinking caps on to answer a trivia question. And if you are correct, you will receive a couple of passes from the Holland Museum. So that'll be coming up uh, around 10 minutes to the hour. Before we delve into some of the things going on at the museum, Ricky, it is our first chance to chat with you since the announcement was made late last month, early in February, that you will step down as the executive director at the end of June, uh, retiring uh, from the post. And first of all, congratulations on your tenure. We thank you for your service. And uh, the museum has done quite well. Thank you very much since you've been the executive director. Thank you, Gary. Appreciate that. We uh, we have done a lot. We're really pleased with what we've been able to accomplish. There's so much more than we want to do. And I think having somebody new at the helm with fresh ideas and energy will be able to take it forward. What was the biggest challenge that you saw during your time guiding the museum that A, was responded to, was dealt with, and B, maybe is left hanging that uh, your successor is going to need to work on? You know, I think my A and B answer probably is going to be the same. Um, It's change. Um, People are reluctant to experience change. and uh, But change is sometimes good. And we've made some changes. We have made the organization really much more inclusive in, in terms of the community. You know, we're, we're a local history museum and telling everyone's stories and giving access to everyone in the community an opportunity to learn their own stories or other people's stories was important to us. And that's a difference from, from what we had been doing previously. So um, that was probably the biggest challenge, but I think it's also been our greatest accomplishment in the sense that that we have been making inroads in that area and people are happy begun to accept it. Um, but I think that's going to be a challenge going forward uh, as well, just because, you know, it's hard for people to kind of change gears sometimes. Dare I ask this? Well, I will dare to ask this. Uh, has the museum gotten to a point where it's outgrown its location that maybe it might need someplace that's a little bit bigger? Well, it's probably been something that's been a challenge for quite some time. You know, we have over 100,000 items in our collection. 
And only so many things can be on display at one time, both in the Holland Museum location, but also the historical homes, the Capon and Settler's House. Um, and even it, as we have begun to rotate some of those artifacts, so we're beginning to tell expanding stories or different aspects of the same story. Yeah, it's a challenge, but you know, um, I, I'm not sure that's something that's on the immediate horizon. I mean, look at the Smithsonian. And the Smithsonian has so many items in their vast collections that are not on display. They're much better than we are. Funding is part of it. Capacity in terms of em employees is part of it to be able to rotate things more frequently. But you still cannot see everything at one time in any of their museum locations. And that's true of a lot of museums. So, um, yeah, it's something to consider for sure. I think even more so for the museum space, the public space, one of our biggest challenges is storage of our items. That part has, has really been a, a driving factor in what we can accept as new donations and how we accept those things as new donations. And we don't want to miss uh, the opportunity to take things that really are reflective of the community. So that that is definitely a challenge. You brought up the point I was just going to bring up about storage, because it's one thing for exhibits. It's another thing uh, to maybe have to say no to something because you don't have the space now. And then a couple of years down the road, tingling teeth like, oh, we kind of had that. It's just it's frustrating. It is. It's it's part of the process. I think it's part of the museums in general process. None of us have endless space. You know, no no organization that does what we do, do have endless space, especially those that are actively collecting new acquisitions. There are some organizations that probably don't collect as much as we'd like to. And that's part of going back to your initial question is, you know, telling everyone stories that change means that we need items in our collection that reflect those stories. And that, yeah, that means space. If you've got a question for Ricky Levine, the executive director, or Joseph McCluskey, the development communications associate director of the Holland Museum, they'll be happy to answer it at 616-395-1450, 616-395-1450. Okay, Ricky Levine is going to step down as executive director on the 30th of June. Who will step up to take over her position? And I'm not certain how much Ricky is going to be involved with this. This might be more for Joseph along the lines. But uh, what's the process going to be? And what timetable is the museum having to get somebody in place so that there will be a seamless transition of power uh, when July 1 comes about? Yeah, um, actually, I'm very much involved. Um, I am working with the search committee, which is made up of uh, some of our board of directors, and we have hired Intersector Partners, which is a local um, organization. They work exclusively with nonprofit organizations. They don't do exclusively searches, but that's part of what they do. Uh, so they're very familiar with the nonprofit um kind of spectrum, um, which is different than the for-profit. There are certainly overlaps, but there's a lot of differences as well. So we will be posting the position. It hasn't been posted yet. It will be posted later this month. And when that happens, we will, um, the search firm will start taking in applications and resumes and we will start the process. We um, absolutely anticipate having somebody firmly 
uh, on board by sometime in June, um, whether or not they start at that point or sometime if they start July 1, it remains to be seen. But there will be a real transition of, of information, transition of uh, knowledge, as well as who to contact in, in the community, especially if they're an outsider. I was an outsider. And that can be one of the biggest challenges for a new executive director of any nonprofit in this community. It is such a close-knit community. It's such a strong community. And being an outsider is sometimes challenging to, to get your foot in the door. So we will do everything we can to make it as seamless and as easy as possible. We're finalizing our strategic plan, um, which is a five-year plan. We are finalizing our fiscal budgets. End of June was deliberately... Decide, uh, decided by me to retire because that's the end of our fiscal year. So this new director is going to be coming in with a, a budgets already in place, a strategic plan already in place, an exceptional group of staff uh, that are already doing the good work that that we've been doing. And so I, I, I think it's going to be, you know, th there's no um, reason to believe that there's going to be any real challenges except learning the job, learning the community and learning the museum. Uh, let me get to a call, and then we'll uh, continue our conversation. Good morning. You're on the line with Ricky Levine and Joseph McCluskey at the museum. Yeah, you should do Duke Bang Oss. And do his life story. He was very interesting. Started when he was a little boy up till he passed away and went to see the Lord. Mm -hmm. You should do his story. All right. Thank you very much for the call. And we'll talk a little bit about uh, 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 that aspect of that in a few moments, because to a certain extent, the current exhibit does sort of overlay that uh, that response uh, 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 that the museum is doing something uh, with the legacy of Juke. But we'll get to that in a moment. I want to finish up a couple of things. First of all, Ricky. You mentioned being an outsider. Wait a minute. Weren't you in Muskegon before you came down here? That's not terribly outside. <laughs> I was in Muskegon. I was in Grand Rapids and I was in Saugatuck. And so that's you you were in the neighborhood. I was in the hood, but not in the community. I was not. Holland is very um and it's wonderful. I mean, I'm not I'm not dismissing what Holland is. It's a very wonderful tight-knit community and getting to know the right people in Holland in order to move forward with our mission poses challenges. Mm -hmm. And I've done that. I've made some incredible connections and there's some wonderful people here that support what we're doing. Um, it's just, you know, if you don't know them, you got to meet them. That's okay. that's just a step in the process. Okay, I un I understand that, but it's just you know, it's not like somebody came out of Chicago or came out of De Dubuque, Iowa, or something that didn't know anything about this area. So, but uh, you know, I am from New York originally. I lived in Los Angeles, so learning small communities in the Midwest is different. Okay, okay, okay. Six one six three nine five one four five zero. Let's. Before I go on the programs, I do want to bring up the fundraiser from last Friday. How did that go? It was great. Um, and, and Joseph really took the lead on putting that together, so I'll let him talk about it. But it was a wonderful event. 
Yeah, it was a it was a success um, on track with previous years, and we had really about 175 total folks in the museum building, um, and we had nine beverage vendors this year, a couple new ones, um, and a lot of energy, a lot of uh, new folks to the museum. Uh, we find that there are a lot of folks that this is the only time that they come to the museum each year, um, and so it's it's good for them to come and to bring their friends. Uh, to expand that network of of people that come experience the museum. That's the major fundraiser for the year, or is there something else coming up? There is Trivia Night will be April 18th. Okay. And Trivia Night is something we have done um, for several years. Of course, COVID put a pause on that. We didn't do it last year. We are doing it this year. Um, so if you are interested, we're starting to put together our table hosts. If you're interested in being a host, please contact me. Or if you're interested in just attending, we will put you on the list to make sure that you get um, the opportunity to attend. It's a fun night of trivia. Um, it's a fun night of networking with individuals. You also have a project. It's kind of reflective of our Spark Lab space where you have a prompt and you build something and you get to learn to know, learn to um, know what's going on at the museum and what we've got going on, which is a big year for us with our Capon 150th celebration. So lots of good things in April coming up. Okay. I just want to make sure that, you know, because this thing that happened this past Friday, people might say, ah, if I'd only known about it, I would have been, you know, there giving an opportunity, you know, another opportunity to help the museum out. Uh, with fundraising and again, trivia night, uh, test your brains and don't, you can't cheat. Don't take your cell phone, your smartphone and, and try to Google the answers. You know, that's not fair. You're not playing by the rules. Uh, 616-395-1450. All right. To the listeners call about doing something about Juke that ties in with the current program that is right now the current exhibit at the museum news flash the story of journalism in holland and that's going on through april the 8th and joseph there's a couple of programs coming up uh, one in fact on thursday to a certain extent sort of ties in with the exhibit yeah we have two more uh, programs that are related to the news flash exhibit uh, the next one is Thursday, February 15th from 7 to 8.30 p.m. at the museum. And that one is titled Collaborative Journalism as a Means to Counter Misinformation and Build Trusted Communities with Jeff Kelly Lowenstein. And I'm sure folks are, are familiar with misinformation and its devastating consequences, um, but we don't often talk about the solutions to that. And so uh, Jeff will be here from GVSU's Journalism uh, department and he'll discuss some ways that we can counter misinformation and come together in uh, communities for collaborative journalism and and prevent that misinformation um, so that's a free program again at the holland museum this thursday february 15th from 7 to 8 30 p.m uh, registration is not required um, but it is encouraged as well as donations are encouraged as uh, through the website and the other program that's coming up along those lines joseph Yep, that is on February 29th, which is a Thursday from 7 to 8.30 p.m. And it's Dateline World, Chronicles of a Wasted Freelance with award-winning writer and journalist Milton Nuisma. And so he will be here talking about his travels around the world, covering stories for the Chicago Tribune and other major newspapers. 
his new his newest book, Dateline World: Twenty Dispatches from the Earth and One from Hell, is uh, uh, comprised of twenty one of his his best pieces. So he'll talk about his experiences as a freelance writer, and this will be our final news flash related program. Uh, he will have some of his newest books available at the museum to sign, and the proceeds from those sales will support the Holland Museum. Well, lastly, ap mm -hmm. Go ahead. After, that, after that program, uh, Holland Sentinel Executive Editor and Pulitzer Prize nominee Sarah Leach will be honored for her coverage of Ottawa County government. So that, again, is a free program at the Holland Museum. Registration, again, is encouraged through hollandmuseum.org. If you got a question for either Joseph McCluskey or Ricky Levine with the Holland Museum, they'll be happy to answer it at 616-395-1450, 616-395-1450. It's time now for the monthly trivia, uh, trivia question for a couple of passes to the Holland Museum. And the question today is this. The first women's rights convention was held in the year 1848. In which in which city was this convention held? Was it held was it held in Seneca Falls, New York, Niagara Falls, New York, or Fall River, Massachusetts? So multiple choice question. In 1848, where was the first women's rights convention held? Seneca Falls, New York, Niagara Falls, New York or Fall River, Massachusetts. Uh, before we answer our trivia question and give us the winner, uh, I don't want to go too much further without bringing this up. I know this is not until April, but registration is open now for the Spring Break Discovery Camp. And I have seen Ricky Levine with a big smile on her face because uh, that's something that's, uh, I don't know if it's near and dear to her heart, but she's got a big smile on her face. <laughs> well, it is the first year we are offering a spring break camp. And yeah, it is near and dear to my heart. It's really an opportunity for families who can't afford to go out of town during spring break. And there are quite a few of them or just their schedules don't allow it. And it's an opportunity to get your kids at the museum, learning history, playing games, allowing mom and dad to work, if that's if that's the case. Um, and it's it's something that we've been talking about for a while, and we finally have been able to launch it. So we're really excited about having it this year. So $100 per child, and the deadline to sign up is about six weeks from now, March 26th. So there is some time. Uh, are there going to be limits in terms of space for this particular? Yes. Um, and I don't know what those limits are, but 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 yes, there is a capacity that we would have to cut it off. Um, it is not every day of the week either. So if you are staying home, you are able to still do some family events, but it is the second, the third and the fourth. So it's three days from 10 to three each of those days. Um, there will be different themes on every day of that week. So we're going to do Off to Oz, so Wizard of Oz, um, Exploring Air and Space, Mysteries and Invention, and um, The Good Old Days and Boat Day. So there's going to be lots of themes within those three jam-packed days of fun and learning. And, um, you know, if you're 
if your child likes to play with their hands and experiment, or if they like history, um, or if they just want to play, um, they will be learning the entire time, even though they probably won't even recognize it as learning. All right. Time now to answer the question that our trivia question was at. And it ties in with an upcoming program that's coming up on March 11th. But the question is, in 1848, where was the first women's rights convention held? The correct answer is Seneca Falls, New York. Darwin of Holland was our first correct caller. His information has been given to our museum guests, so they will contact Darwin and let him know how he can get those passes to the Holland Museum. So enough about the teasing on this particular thing, but uh, it is a program coming up on March 11th, the free second Monday sponsored by the Meyer Foundation, and it's going to be focused from 4 to 7 p.m. on wonderful, outstanding women, otherwise known as WOW. <laughs> Tell us about it. That's right, Gary. March is Women's History Month, and so this is the perfect opportunity to to highlight some women that have made uh, outstanding impacts on uh, inventions, science, entrepreneurs, writers, and artists. Um, so there will be in the history galleries and the Dutch galleries. We'll have a fun scavenger hunt. You can listen to stories about the important contributions that women, astronauts, poets, sciences, and scientists have made around the world. Um, and right now, our, our Smithsonian Spark Lab theme is air and space. And so in Spark Lab, you can follow in the footsteps of astronauts and scientists um, with our space theme experiments and activities. You can make an origami tulip inspired by local hero and tulip time creator Lita Rogers. Read the news like Holland radio personality Lupita Reyes and get your photo taken as Rosie the Riveter and much more. So like you had said, that is Monday, March 11th, our free second Monday from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Um, celebrating Women's History Month. So come on down and enjoy all of the activities. And the Tales from the Archives uh, uh, there, Joseph, is also tied in with Women's History Month uh, coming up on March 7th. That's right. And it also ties into our Capon 150 celebration that we have throughout the year. Uh, so March 7th. Thursday from 7 to 8.30 p.m. That's Tales from the Archives, Levina Capon, Suffrage, and Women's Rights in Midwest Dutch America with Barbara, Barbara Walford. So Levina, of course, was Isaac Capon's daughter, and she was a suffragist, uh, which was a radical position for prominent women in Midwest Dutch American communities in the days before 1920. Uh, for the Capon 150th year and the Women's History Month, join author and historian Barbara Walford as she explores the suffrage movement in Holland in the context of the lives of Dutch American women at the turn of the 20th century. So this is a Zoom program, so you do need to register online at hollandmuseum.org in order to get that Zoom link. Um, and she'll be touching on some aspects of her recent book, Women's Rights in Midwest Dutch America, 1847 to 1979, A History and Memoir. Um, and that book is available on Amazon and in bookstores listed on the author's uh, Facebook page. For more information about what's going on at the Holland Museum, give the museum a call at 616-796-3329, 616-796-3329, or go online to hollandmuseum.org. That is hollandmuseum.org. 
Joseph McCluskey, Ricky Levine, as always, thank you very much for your time and letting us know how things are going at the museum. Ricky, we wish you well as uh, you start winding down your time at the museum. But we know that uh, we'll be chatting again as the weeks and the months go along. To Ricky and Joseph, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Thanks, Gary. Have a great one. That is Ricky Levine and Joseph McCluskey from the Holland Museum on 99.7 and 1450 WHTC.